Hello, I'm Zeb Newworth, and welcome to Creating a New Healthcare, a podcast series for healthcare leaders who are interested in fresh perspectives, new ideas, and bold solutions on how to advance the creation of a customer-oriented, value-based, and humanistic system of health. The views I express are solely my own and do not represent the views of any other person or organization. Folks, the topic today is about a healthcare marketplace transformation that is happening right now that, in my mind, might surpass anything and everything else I've heard about, and that is the introduction of platforms into healthcare delivery. I think it's so critically important to understand platforms and the platform effect if we're going to understand how the market is transforming. I don't believe we can understand some of the major retail and telehealth and even payer moves in healthcare without understanding this notion of platforms. Now, I don't know about you all, but I began to hear more and more about platforms in the last couple of years. I was really clued in probably about a year ago when the CEO of the Mayo Clinic, Dr. Enrico Ferrugia, spoke about platforms and made the announcement that Mayo Clinic was into platforms, both feet. I think it was at the health conference, the HLTH conference in the fall of 2021. And that really got me a bit more interested. And then a couple of months ago in early July, I attended a symposium at the MIT Social Media Lab. It was entitled the 2022 MIT Platform Strategy Summit. Turns out it wasn't the first platform symposium. I think it's more like the 10th annual symposium on the development and impact of platforms in industry, clearly not a new phenomena. But the one day pre-summit, which I attended was called the platform revolution. I'll say that again, the platform revolution comes to healthcare. And as I sat there, the opening presentation was entitled healthcare platform megatrends, discovering the power of network effects. And these two gentlemen on stage, Vince Caritas and Randy Williams, presented. And I have to tell you, they blew me away. In fact, they blew the entire audience away in terms of the phenomenal job they did in terms of illustrating and defining what platforms in healthcare are and their impact. It was fantastic. In fact, every other speaker pretty much commented on their opening presentation. Now, it's not surprising that they blew everyone away because they've been studying platforms for over a decade. They've written numerous blogs, spoken at prestigious institutions like MIT. And in fact, they're currently authoring a book as well as about to launch a podcast on the topic of healthcare platforms. I can't tell you how excited I am that they agreed to join us on this podcast, Creating a New Healthcare. Now, before I formally introduce Vince and Randy, I'm going to make a request. If you find value in this podcast, please, please reshare it on LinkedIn and Twitter with your colleagues. Also rate it online. That actually helps others find the podcast. I, I truly love hearing your perspectives on social media. So please keep that coming. The purpose here really, of course, is to create a dialogue that can catalyze the transformation of American healthcare. And a number of you have already begun to do this, to rate it and to reshare it. I just want to tell you that I greatly appreciate you taking a moment to spread the podcast and more importantly, to spread the word on creating a new healthcare. So again, so excited to introduce Vince and Randy. Dr. Randy Williams is an experienced physician, a healthcare exec, a digital health pioneer, and a serial entrepreneur. He is currently the managing director of Digital Care Advisors, a healthcare strategic consulting and advisory firm. Following his medical training as a heart failure and transplant cardiologist at Johns Hopkins, 
he was recruited to Northwestern, where he built one of the first nationally recognized chronic care programs for heart failure, as well as a care management program. Dr. Williams has testified in the U.S. Senate and has advised the Congressional Budget Office in both the George W. Bush and the Barack Obama administrations on issues related to health care reform. Vince Caritis is a principal and founder of Better Health Technologies, which helps develop strategy partnerships and business models with a unique focus on platform strategies. He has a vast amount of experience as president of Health Choice, a medical call center, as VP of corporate development and specialty operations at St. Alphonsus Regional Medical Center. He was the regional director of marketing at National Medical Enterprises, a hospital chain with hundreds of facilities. Vince is remarkable. He holds an MBA and a JD from UCLA. He is on the editorial advisory boards of Accountable Care News and Population Health News. Just two remarkable individuals who have spent the past decade really immersing themselves in understanding and helping others understand and deploy platforms in healthcare. I think we are talking to the people who are literally writing the book on the topic. Vince and Randy, I hope I represented you well. How are you doing today? Hi, this is Vince. Uh, thanks, Sev. I'm, I'm honored by your presentation. Very appreciative of getting the invite to be on your podcast. I, I listened to your fifth anniversary podcast last week, and I, I hope we can live up to the challenge of explaining how this topic reframes healthcare and makes it makes it truly better for patients. Randy? Yeah, I'm Randy Williams, and uh, it's a real pleasure, Zev, to join you on your podcast. It's a privilege to be uh, asked to participate, and what a fun and timely topic, and I'm enjoying talking about it on several of these types of uh, opportunities with my colleague and friend, Vince Caritas. So thanks. Thanks for having us. Well, thank you both. Before we jump into platforms, I'm just really curious, how did you both become interested in this in over a decade ago. I mean, most of us have only heard about this in the last year or two, and literally 10 years or so ago, you were already aware of the impact this was going to have. How did that happen? Vince, maybe you want to start. Sure. My journey down the platform rabbit hole actually began in 2007. And it happened when, when Randy, uh, who was then a client, asked me a question. And he said, I, I see these new powerful business models, Amazon, Google, Facebook, is there anything in, in there here for healthcare? And that was the beginning of, of the journey. Randy and I have kept in touch. And last year, we saw this topic finally blossoming. I, I began writing a book on this topic in 2013, but concluded I was about a decade too early. But at this point, there are over 40 books written on platforms and platform strategy uh, applying to general industry, and, and we're writing the one that's going to be specific for healthcare. Randy, given what Vince just said, I, I mean, the fact that you approached him with that question of, again, over a dozen years ago, to have that sort of prescient knowledge of the impact of Amazon and what it could be and, and how it might be applied in healthcare, I'm just blown away by the fact that you could think that far in the future to ask that question at that moment in time. What was it about the business model or what made you think about that question? Well, you know, sometimes I wonder myself. Um, it, it, it turns out that, uh, you know, it's taken a long time for us to see it really get here in healthcare. And to your point, we were probably way ahead of the curve back in that day. I was running my first startup back in that time frame, and we had built a technology-based approach to linking 
patients with their care providers after and in between clinical encounters in the hospital or in the, in the clinic. And what we were learning in that experience was that as you started to see more and more people joining our platform at that time, I'll use that term loosely, uh, we were just beginning to think of ourselves as a platform. We were starting to see more and more power for the folks that could take advantage of the fact that others had joined before them, whether they be provider systems or in this case, patients. And so we were starting to learn uh, about the power of connections, the power of collaborations, the power of shared learning across broad geographies. And what that sort of pointed to was an opportunity to think more creatively about how we could use those connections to drive value both for patients as well as for provider organizations. And that kind of led us down this, this path of thinking about something called network effects and the power of platforms to execute network effect opportunities. And, you know, about the same time, we were frankly worried about who outside of healthcare might come in and try to, you know, replicate or knock off what we were doing. And so, you know, folks like Apple and the iPhone were beginning to open up their technology to developers. And uh, we had to ask ourselves whether we needed to be thinking about that as a, a defensive strategy to protect the turf that we had built. So uh, those are the kinds of questions that we were facing back then and looking, in a sense, outside of healthcare for what we describe as platform native companies who were potentially going to encroach on us and how to defend against that. Randy, I'm going to come back to this question more specifically about the network effect and also want to ask the question, you two were way ahead of your time 10, 12 years ago. In a few minutes, I'd love to come back to that question. Are we still ahead of our time or is this something whose time has come? I think that's going to be an important question. But before we get to that, a really basic question for those of us who are not familiar with platforms. Do you have a, a high-level description of what a platform is, what it means, what is its value proposition? The fundamental difference is really to think of a, a traditional uh, business as a, a pipeline. It's a linear process. As an example, to build an automobile, you start with raw parts or raw materials. You turn that into parts. It's assembled by the automobile manufacturer, sent to the dealer, and ultimately the, the consumer will buy it. It's a linear process or also referred to as, as a value chain. The shape of a platform in its simplest form, think of it as triangular. And you've got the platform technology and what you're trying to do is make connections. Connections between producers and users. And so using Facebook as an example, you are both a producer and a user when you're creating content, you're a producer, and when you're reading content from others, you're a user of that content, and it's a triangular shape. And a lot of this, and I know this is a theme we'd like to come back to, mm -hmm. about platform thinking. So you can easily imagine a health system either way. If you think of a health system as a pipeline or a traditional business, it's assembling, uh, it's gathering raw components, pharmaceuticals, medical devices of various types, bringing in specialized uh, labor and clinicians and putting that all together, uh, applying some sort of a guideline. And at the end, hopefully you get a, a healthy patient at the end. But you can also conceptualize at least parts of a health system through 
a platform model. And one way to do that, it's not the only way, but it's illustrative, is to think of a platform, a health system as making connections. You've got patients out there with unique needs, and you've got clinicians in the community that have unique capabilities. How do you best match the patient and the clinician? And the next step of that is in the old model of fee-for-service medicine, the incentives really are then, once you've made that connection, to have that patient treated within the health system. In a, in a platform model, and we believe will be particularly ripe with value-based care approaches, the incentive of treating the patient in the health system isn't necessarily there. You're making a connection, but if that patient potentially could be treated more efficiently or more effectively somewhere else, then the incentive may be to actually refer the patient to wherever that patient can receive the best care. Isn't that refreshing? Let me add uh, to what yeah. Vince has uh, well articulated here about what a platform is and what it's not by kind of giving an outside of healthcare illustration that, that I think would be very, very, very familiar to people and, and would demonstrate most importantly, one of the economic levers that platform businesses have and what creates some substantial competitive advantage for them. Think about how an, an entity like Airbnb has really started to completely disrupt the traditional brick and mortar business of the hospitality industry and hotels in particular. And if you think about what Airbnb is, it's a classic platform business. What it's doing instead of building and assembling hotel space and then having to sell that to customers like you and I, they're actually uh, allowing outsiders to be the producers of that space. So uh, whether you own a home or a vacation spot or whatnot, you make a room available on the Airbnb platform. And what Airbnb is doing is it's matching that supply with consumers' needs and desires who've come also to Airbnb to look for a broad spectrum or, or, or opportunity to spend time in a in a property. Obviously, there are differences in the sense that you know they're not going to be a Ritz Carlton in this case, but clearly there's a market for it. And in particular, as people are price sensitive, that that efficiency of not having to own and build the supply makes Airbnb a much more price uh, sensitive alternative for the consumer. And importantly, what Airbnb is doing and all platforms fundamentally do is they spend a lot of time and attention on, on acquiring enough producers and enough consumers and then having the intelligence systems to digitally match the needs of the consumer with the supply made by the producers. If you think about that in healthcare, as Vince has mentioned, the hospital system might be equivalent to, you know, the Ritz-Carlton in many respects. But I think what we're likely to see is that alternative sites of care or, or uh, interactions of care are going to begin to be platformed around those cost-intensive settings like a hospital. And it, this is really the power of platforms, or at least one of them, and that is that not owning all that asset-intensive infrastructure makes it much easier for platforms to grow quickly and spend their time and, and resources on acquiring customers and on that customer experience. Randy, if it's okay with you, I'd love to 
pick up on this analogy of Airbnb and the impact it's had on the hotel industry. I don't have these numbers at my fingertips, but the the number of rooms Airbnb has, I, I believe, equals all the other hotel rooms all put together. So it's some crazy number. Like I don't know yeah. if you have that number at hand, but one of you mentioned the disruption word. So my question is, from your perspective as scholars in platforms, has Airbnb disrupted the hotel industry and do you see platforms potentially disrupting in a similar way hospital systems? Well, I think Airbnb is disrupting or transforming what consumers think of as a hotel-based hospitality experience. Um, Vince and I, as you mentioned, were at an MIT conference that we helped produce a, a month or so ago. And, you know, given that Boston is a very, very difficult place to find a hotel room in the summer, we, we chose to get an Airbnb as a great alternative. And it turned out it was closer to the summit location. It was less expensive and it was quite adequate to meet our needs for that particular event. So I would say for sure, Airbnb is disrupting the hotel industry. Does that mean the hotels are going to be put out of business? No, because I think there are hotel-based experiences where, you know, nobody's going to be able to replicate that, you know, in a, in a suburban setting or in a, an apartment building setting or whatnot. How about healthcare? Well, I think that a lot of what goes on inside the hospital, to Vince's point earlier, doesn't necessarily have to happen inside a hospital. There are things that clearly do. For example, if you're going to have you know, open heart surgery, you're very, very, very much going to appreciate the fact that a hospital has assembled all of the components and pieces together in one place for you to get that surgery done safely and effectively. On the other hand, if you're managing your diabetes in between doctor visits, well, an awful lot of that work goes on outside of the four walls of a hospital. And that's, I think, where we're beginning to see platforms attacking and, and, and trying to encroach on the traditional bricks and mortar, kind of more asset intensive resources of healthcare. I'll take a quick whack at that as well, Zev. I'll say even more directly, clearly there are new competitors attacking uh, delivery systems in healthcare, big tech, Amazon, Google, Apple, big retail, CVS, Walgreens, Amazon fits both categories, virtual care companies, virtual care platforms like Teladoc, like Amwell, and, and they have established advantages. These companies have existing user bases of hundreds of millions of, of people, and so they don't have to address what a new platform has to do, which is traditionally called the solving the chicken and the egg problem. They've already got one half of that solved because they have a customer base. And they're also bringing a tremendous infrastructure. In particular, I'll highlight what I think Amazon and Walmart are doing. And, you know, they've, they've crossed a huge threshold in the last couple of months in that they both acquired primary care clinics. Amazon originally announced that they were buying 20 primary care clinics and then last month announced they were buying um, one medical it's not really clear where their where their end game is going to be but but these companies are clearly using their existing platform capabilities and and that's where platforms become very extendable you can use a platform to to attack new areas that may be adjacent to your core business that's that's what we see happening in healthcare so this is really enlightening and, and a little mind-blowing. 
so clearly Amazon is a healthcare company or has within it a healthcare company or companies, CVS, Walmart, Walgreens. You mentioned the large telehealth players, Teladoc, Amwell. In fact, I was speaking with Roy Schoenberg recently, and he was sharing with me the Converge platform that they've already created and is already deployed at, as my understanding, thousands of hospital systems and healthcare systems across the country. I'd love to get a little bit of your sense of of that very, very specific platform. And then I'm also wondering about the payers, Optum, which is the largest employer of providers in the country, no longer a payer, but a payvider, the same can absolutely said of Humana and now the Blues. And so it seems that all these stakeholders across the board, these national healthcare stakeholders, from your perspective, are these platform players? I'll go back and make a distinction about the virtual care platforms. I think it's an important point. Amwell and Teladoc have very different business models. Amwell is much more of a technology company and positioning itself as a resource to existing health systems to be able to buy or rent technology that helps them develop their own telehealth programs. But Teladoc, for example, is very clear in their building the capabilities for what they call whole person care. And just based on the statistics of roughly 75% of Teladoc's visits occur through their own providers and roughly 75% of Amwell's visits occur through local providers that are, that are at a local delivery system. So the, the business models are quite different. But I think the, the message is for, for providers, be sensitive to who these new platforms are that are coming in and saying that they're your friend uh, because they're your friend or your foe to, to varying degrees. Let me add a couple thoughts here. The first thought I want to add is that a platform as a business is, is somewhat distinct from just simply having digital infrastructure as part of your business model. In healthcare, given the fact that it's a very, very data intensive industry, it's probably got more data flowing through the healthcare ecosystem than, than any other industry. There's a lot of, lot of that that's been digitized over the last roughly 20 years, but that doesn't necessarily make entities in healthcare platform businesses. It might make them digitally enabled pipeline businesses, which is perfectly fine. But I would say that most healthcare entities at this point are asking themselves, can I or should I become a platform or at a minimum be thinking about how to embrace platform business opportunities? And the reason that they're thinking about it and getting concerned about it is that they see two things going on. Number one, eight of the 10 top companies globally by size and market share are indeed platform businesses. So they're seeing it happening in every other sector of the economy at scale. And number two, they're seeing people outside of healthcare uh, attacking or encroaching uh, on what's going on in healthcare. So I would say that Entities that can become platforms are starting to think about what their role as a platform might be, but others might be thinking about it more in terms of how could we embrace or collaborate with platforms to extend or better defend uh, our business. And so I think Vince has talked about 
and you've talked about the virtual health technology companies as an opportunity to take traditional healthcare provider systems and begin collaborating with platform businesses to extend their reach and their business model. Um, I learned, for example, this week about an entity, I'm going to blank on the name. It's um, Vince, what's the company that Lyle Berkowitz is uh, heading up here that's actually trying to become a virtual telehealth platform that actually plays well with provider systems? Uh, it's a great example, and I know Lyle, and I, I can't remember the name of his company, but, but go ahead with the example because it's a wonderful example of where uh, a, a startup really goes further than Teladoc or what Amwell is doing in trying to be friendly to existing health systems. Yeah, I think they're recognizing that provider organizations already have a set of production side resources, and they have a very integrated data flow and data system as well. In this case, Lyle's company is, is, is working to layer on top of the Epic EMR systems. And what they're looking to do is extend the reach and the effectiveness of those provider organizations into the virtual space. And specifically being able to do that at scale with a platform business with one side of that platform, the supply side, already being accounted for, and, and arguably the consumer side of it being uh, a lot easier to build in the case of provider systems that already have relationships with, with patients and so forth. The name of Lyle's company is called KeyCare. I looked it up. There you go. And to, to contrast it even with Amwell, where 25% of the visits are going to be done by Amwell providers, and if you partner with Lyle's company, and I see one of their big value propositions is they're really entirely supportive of the local health system because all of their providers within the company are only working for, for health systems. They're not working for a mothership platform company. You've mentioned that one of the hallmarks and advantages of platforms is their ability to match supply and demand and also potentially, I think one of you said something about lowering costs. What, from a healthcare perspective, if, you know, I'm sitting here as a executive administrator, physician leader in a healthcare system, does the deployment of a platform, how does it actually help patient care? So, so we have an, an example. If you give me a couple of minutes, I'll try and set it up. And Randy, you comment, commented on it as a clinician. It illustrates the, the clinical use and the, and the math behind the, the value of platforms. So the case we'd like to examine is a newly diagnosed diabetic patient. And that patient uh, has a care network. And it's probably not going to be extremely complex. We'll use the example where... Okay, you got the patient themselves, a primary care physician, a pharmacist, a nutritionist. Uh, they've got a glucometer. Hopefully, it's it's connected to the internet and, and the data is available. And and they might have an M Health app. So in a point to point world, and by point to point we mean where information is passed and where workflow occurs by email, by fax, by phone or in person, a network of six care providers or six nodes on this diabetic patient's network has 15 potential connections. 
So let's extend it a little bit and say it's a complex diabetic patient. And that, that patient in the example we'll share has 13 different nodes on their network. And so you add an endocrinologist, you add an ophthalmologist, you add an optometrist, a podiatrist, a diabetic educator, hospital, social worker, a coordinator from the health plan. And we could even take this further with other specialists. But there, if you've got 14 different points of network connections and you're trying to do this by email, phone, fax, that's 91 point-to-point -point connections. And if the question is, is if it's a platform or what else is there, the only other option from a network building point of view is you're doing it point to point. And every one of those 91 point to point connections are a potential failure point where information doesn't get passed on or where uh, a workflow, a step in workflow doesn't get done timely. Randy, can you perhaps add a clinical perspective? I'm going to add a patient journey or patient experience perspective. And, and, and I think at the end of the day, we all who went into healthcare as a, as a profession, you know, for the most part, went into it as a calling. We wanted to make people's lives better. And we found ourselves in a system that was irrationally complex, that had lots and lots of barriers and challenges to making life better for the people that we all are serving. One of the big things, the big hurdles has been overcome, and that is that you know, we, we, we used to deal with papers and pencil, paper and pencil and fax machines and whatnot. And now we've got, you know, EMRs and, and, and those experiences and interactions can be digitally captured. However, if you think about it, those digital experiences may be captured in a bunch of different technology platforms, technology, digital infrastructures, depending on where you go. And so, for example, as a patient, all of us know about the frustration of showing up at a new doctor because we got referred there. To Vince's point, maybe that's your diabetic patient who's going to see the podiatrist. And literally everything about you is, exists and is digitally captured somewhere else, but that new physician has no access to it. And as a result, you, the patient, have to sit in the waiting room and fill out a whole lot of new information uh, for that doctor that you filled out well, you know, many, many times before. And at the end of the day, it makes your experience start out in a very, very frustrating way. Why did I have to tell you that? I've already told eight other doctors exactly what that particular issue is all about or whatever. And so I think what platforms are doing is they are rationalizing and simplifying the complexity of information, in particular in healthcare, right? I mean, again, an information intensive industry and platforms are making great strides and just simply connecting and allowing the flow of information across and between you know, nodes on the network, or in this case, the multitude of providers that interact with a patient. And as a result, the patient's experience is just so much better, let alone improving the outcomes, because now you're not duplicating tests, you're not prescribing medications that counteract or cross-react with other medicines that you didn't know about, et cetera, et cetera. How does the platform differentiate itself from an electronic medical record? Because let's say you had all those clinicians, which is not usually the case, but let's just say you were in an integrated delivery system, one of these large hospital systems in the country, and everyone was on the same EMR or the EMRs were connected. Do platforms even go beyond that? And if so, in what ways? 
Well, they do. And they do because of something called network effects. And I, I know we wanted to touch on this, so it's probably a good time to inject it into the mm -hmm. conversation. Platforms benefit the users of the platform because of a very, very powerful, almost exponential effect every time a new user joins a platform. And that exponential effect as new users join, meaning that the the user that's number 100 is gonna find it easier, simpler, and more valuable to be part of that platform than user number one did. And that, that exponential increase in experiential value is something called network effects. There are lots of different versions and varieties of that, but the one you illustrated is the EMR kind of data hub and spoke type of network effect where if everybody's connected to the same EMR and shares the same data across that network, then the next person joining that network would find it a lot simpler to come in and interact with all the rest of the participants in that network. However, as you know, every organization's instance of an EMR, even if it's from the same vendor, is different from the guy down the street mm -hmm. who happens to have a different instance. And so the, the, the reality is their network is only as good as their local organization. And in this case, if you're a patient, you're by and large moving between and across uh, at least providers, not all usually part of the same organization. And clearly if you find yourself on vacation and need to have somebody access your records to help you out, you know, they're nowhere near the system that you originally interacted with. Whereas in a network effect, now everybody wants to join because all of the participants are getting more and more value by joining as each subsequent decision to join. A couple of comments from my end, specifically about EHRs, mm -hmm. which I think can be kept conceptualized as platforms, but they've been very late to the platform game. You know, we've been reading about EHR 2.0 for over a decade, and the first version of EHRs, which is still prevalent today, is really was really built for for billing and for maximizing the amount of reimbursement that can be captured. EHR 2.0, in a nutshell, is really about a longitudinal workflow and and building the workflow around the patient and, and around clinicians. I've seen surveys of EHRs and doctors and hospitals, or rather doctors and nurses, both give the current generation of EHRs uh, an F in terms of usability and experience. So I think that we could go a lot further. The EHR could be conceptualized as you know a foundational element of, of platforms, a mega platform. Uh, and maybe that's a whole separate issue. I think we'll be seeing larger and something more like mega platforms in healthcare, but, mm -hmm. but the ESRs really have not picked up and run with the ball. I mentioned in the introduction, the CEO from Mayo Clinic, Dr. Frugia, has been talking about platforms extensively and other leaders at Mayo as well. In addition to what you said, I mean, 
why are they so keen on platforms and why is Mayo Clinic really, you know, running to the platform? I guess I'm wondering about, is there cost savings that can be accrued through this? Is it growth? Is it reach to, I'm curious from your perspective, how you would interpret or explain Mayo's particular passion for platforms? My my read of, of Mayo, and I very much have followed, I think we probably all have, Dr. Halamka over the years, mm-hmm. who's now the president of their Mayo Clinic platform. Mayo is uniquely positioned, I think, and some other health systems probably can do it. I see it very much as a data play. They've got patients all over the world, some of the most complex patients. And if you look at some of the investments that their venture arm is making, it's around AI, AI for specific use cases and for specific clinical cases. And I think they're they're trying to extend their footprint. I, I admire very much what they're doing and I, I think they're very much on track. And I'll, I'll take a parallel path in my explanation. I think they recognize that not only do they sit on a ton of data, which, you know, arguably they're not the largest, right? I mean, look at the Veterans Administration or even Kaiser, Um, they sit on a ton of data too. But uh, what Mayo Clinic clearly has is an expertise oriented brand. And I think that they recognize that expertise is only gonna remain competitive to the extent that that expertise gets shared more and more broadly over time. And I think what they're doing is they're trying to digitally capture and then be able to distribute out broadly that expertise. And so um, they're doing it with partnerships and collaborations so that they're helping organizations that are looking to develop new products or create new insights from data or expertise, leverage and tap into that expertise at Mayo. And then in turn, they're recognizing that their brand extends, as Vince said, globally, and they can represent an opportunity to bring to consumers and patients and even providers expertise packaged in a way that doesn't require you to fly to Rochester, Minnesota to interact with it. Do you think that the adoption of platforms and mega platforms, Vince's, I think you used that term, what impact will it have on the cost of care, quality of care? I think you alluded to that a little bit in terms of the safety and seamlessness of care. How do you see the impact of platform deployment of impacting those aspects of care? In our presentation at MIT, we talked about four platform megatrends, the first of which was that we saw platforms as being highly synergistic with some of the major other trends that are, that are going on around in healthcare, a fly, creating a flywheel effect where these trends uh, enhance platforms and in turn platforms enhance these trends. The, the specific trends we mentioned, I think, are, are all covered in the ones that you, that you listed. We talked about uh, value-based care and payment, improving consumerism, interoperability and data sharing, and how platforms enhance home and virtual care. We didn't specifically mention uh, inequities, but I, I think it's the same it's, it's the same message of that platforms provide a, a technological layer, a, an ability to access, and whether the policies and reimbursement can reinforce that, that's a question that remains to be to be answered. Randy, anything you want to add? Yeah, I would say that, you know, let's all agree that the operating model of healthcare has a lot to be improved on. 
the experience that we get, the cost that we pay, the accessibility and the affordability issues are, 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 are well-documented issues and challenges. And I think that platforms in general represent a new way of thinking about each of those that in a sense takes what's broken about healthcare Let's, let's just call it out. Mm-hmm. It's a gatekeeper model where we go to see the gatekeeper instead of the gatekeeper providing services where they're most relevant and valuable to us as consumers of that healthcare, where our data is captured in a silo and very hard for us to access, let alone other providers that we're interacting with to access, where affordability is a function of a business model that favors asset intensive business structures and reimbursement approaches. I think all of that's being changed by platforms because at the end of the day, platforms put participants at the center, not gatekeepers and not ownership of assets. Vince, do you have anything to add to that? That was was super, super helpful and enlightening, Randy. Actually, yeah, one more point that I think yeah. I'll, I'll emphasize from our presentation. Platforms are not new. They've been around for a while. And one thing we observe is that platforms tend to be thought of as a technology construct in healthcare. And, and that's not wrong, but I think we're coming at this from a different angle. We're looking at platforms as business model, organizational model, and as business strategy. And that's where essentially the next thing you begin to think about the sine qua non of platforms beyond technology is how do you create network effects? And the inability to create those network effects is where many of the technological platforms that that have been developed over the past decade and longer fail. You've got to create that, that network effect where people value other users or the indirect network effect and I want to bring in the example of the of the smartphone, where uh, part of the network effect there is indirect because you are allowing third party complementers, where Google Android and Apple iOS both have two million apps. The complementers are adding a lot of value to the platforms there, and that's a different type of network effect, but it's also equally powerful. If I'm a hospital exec senior leader, healthcare system, IDN leader. And I, so I'm thinking to myself, this platform effect sounds like it has some major advantages in terms of, again, I'm thinking growth, outreach, patient growth, patient retention, convenience, access, potentially lowering costs. So what are some of the potential downsides? Again, I'm I'm thinking, does this mean I have to become a little bit more porous? And so it might be that some of the patients that traditionally I would say are are my unique patients are no longer unique. I'm just curious, how do you see hospital systems or large healthcare systems in the future having to change to participate either as a mini platform or as part of larger mega platforms? I think one of the biggest thresholds that has yet to be crossed in, in healthcare is, is the, the idea that you might actually let and have to let your competitors onto your platform. A couple of examples though, where this has clearly permeated other industries. Amazon Marketplace, Amazon uh, uh, over a decade ago allowed third-party sellers 
to sell on the Amazon website. And today, two thirds of their revenue comes from the Amazon marketplace. In hospitals, probably the example of a mediocre platform that is not going anywhere as currently configured is the patient portal. Uh, and the scenario we have today is, you know, my mom has seven portals and what you get is no network effects and you get a lot of friction as patients try and sift through all that information. So the role model there could be a, a situation of like, like Visa or MasterCard where uh, the banks recognized many, many years ago that they couldn't set up credit cards independently because they couldn't generate enough users and customers to be able to build out that kind of a network. That kind of a network has to be built collaboratively. And I expect and hope that we'll be seeing collaborative patient portals where providers have to band together to essentially provide not seven portals for mom, but, but one portal for mom. It's a clear challenge in the current way of, of thinking about things. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of boards are probably at this point would say, why would we want to do that? But, but there's many, many examples, the steel industry, uh, farm equipment, there's, there's dozens of examples where these types of platforms have been built, inviting competitors outside of healthcare. Yeah, I think Vince has nailed something important, and that is that every executive in healthcare, number one, needs to become familiar with what platform thinking is all about. Because um, don't don't fall asleep with the switch. This is coming to a neighborhood neighborhood near you. Either you're going to be directly involved, or worse, uh, some of your larger competitive threats are going to come at this from outside of healthcare, and you won't see it coming. So, you know, job one or lesson one is is start becoming familiar with the, the approach that platform native companies use to think about their business and how they're viewing healthcare. And then I would say job number two is think about from a cultural perspective, do we want to you know, build our own platform? Do we want to participate as a collaborator in somebody else's platform? Do we maybe want to group together across geography or across competitive segments and, and work as a collaborator to figure this out? You know, or do we just um, you know, kind of want to not become a platform and will ultimately become more of a supplier to other platforms? And then I think the other component of this is um, I think healthcare executives got trained and incented to build very asset intensive businesses, and whether that's bricks and mortar or acquiring physician practices or this kind of thing. And I think platforms really flip that notion on its head a bit. And you need to think about whether you want to be in the business of owning everything in the quote supply chain or whether you're better off co collaborating, partnering, and, and competing based on a better experience that you create for your providers and for your patients. We have a, what I'll quickly summarize as a good, better, best framework <laughs> for thinking about platforms if you're incumbent. Good, you, can, you don't have to throw out your existing business model. You can experiment start with thinking about building a platform strategy around some of your existing technology platforms such as your EHR, such as your patient portal. Better requires a little bit of a, a leap in conceptualization, but you can begin thinking about the business as being a platform. And that 
goes back to the example that I shared earlier of think of the health system's role fundamentally as making connections, the right patient being connected to the right doctor. And the, the third level best, which I think we'll eventually get to and you see in many other industries is, is around an ecosystem approach where you get to the point of including your competitors, but you don't have to own every piece of the system. You can build an asset like business model. I think we'll see a lot more specialization in healthcare as, as companies recognize that they don't have to do it all themselves. And what the platform does is connect that ecosystem of, of, of corporations or companies or, or providers that are uh, connected, but don't necessarily need to be owned by the same entity to provide the best care for a patient. One of the take homes as I'm listening to this just incredibly enlightening conversation, as someone who's involved in strategy right now, I think across the country, the majority of our strategies are still very much built on the framing of a Vince, I think what you said, the traditional business model of products and programs and, and services and piecing those together. But what I'm hearing and what I'm thinking is, boy, oh boy, boards and senior leadership teams really have to start to think about a strategy that not only includes, but potentially increasingly needs to be based on platform thinking. And it really is a different, Vince, with what you just said in terms of the, the good, better, best. And I, I love that roadmap or phasing. And and Randy, you know, that picture you were painting in terms of, quite honestly, you raised a number of very, very critical strategic questions about how do we think of ourselves in a platform marketplace, which fundamentally I, I hear the marketplace transforming. And, and this is and one other thing, and I'd love for you to respond to this. We are now talking about digital, right? And sort of digital health and, and digital strategy, virtual, but to your point, platforms are both a technology, but they're even more importantly, a new sort of business marketplace. I don't, I don't, I'm not even sure what word to use to it, but I'm curious, Randy, first, how would you interpret that or even, or maybe even correct it? Well, I, I think you're spot on. I think you've nailed it. I think that if we don't get anything else across in our discussions with healthcare provider uh, executives, it's, uh, you know, recognize that platform thinking is something you need to embrace and get familiar with because other very large, very well capitalized entities are coming for your patients. And so, uh, and, and we've even seen them acquiring provider organizations. So, you know, be careful. Number two, I would say that as you think about platforms, force yourself to recognize that having a digital infrastructure enables you but isn't a destination. And the destination, at least the next step on the journey beyond the digital infrastructure is thinking about how that value can be unlocked and provided to your participants in your healthcare. So if you're designing or delivering programs, think about it from the perspective of who's consuming that. What, what do they care about? What do their experiences need to be improved on? And how can we as a healthcare organization begin to think about just some of the techniques and approaches that platform thinking enables to help put constituents and participants first and then match them with their needs so that they have a great experience. If they do, my argument is they're gonna be loyal to your organization and that's the most valuable constituent you could ever have. And it's a very defensible position because now you have a loyal participant base. I guess the last 
point that I'll, I'll try to make here is that if you have an opportunity to become a platform in any way, shape, or form, there are some immense economic efficiencies of doing that, but it's not easy. So I'm not, I don't think Vince or I are encouraging every healthcare organization to become a platform business model, but we certainly want you to be informed enough about it to, to actually weigh the question strategically and come to a conclusion about it. I'll just very quickly share an aha moment that, <laughs> that Randy and I had about a week and a half before our presentation at MIT, as we were talking to the, the panelists, we recognized, we knew this intellectually, but I think it hit us in the gut how early platform thinking is in healthcare. And we in turn threw out about a half dozen slides and inserted a half dozen new slides that started from the very beginning about what is a platform, what are network effects, why are they important, what are some of the challenges here, what's the chicken and egg cold start problem in, in beginning to create network effects. You mentioned the title of the conference, and I'll reference that as a book that's a very good starting place, Platform Revolution. We think of it as the Bible of, of platform books. Hmm. It was written, the lead author is Jeff Parker, who is a professor now at, at Dartmouth, and uh, Jeff's a co-author, going to be our third co-author in writing the book we're writing on on platforms in healthcare. Hmm. The book Platform Revolution has been has sold 300,000 copies. It's been translated into 10 languages. So if you're looking for a place to start, that's where I would point people. That's great. No, thank you. I really appreciate you sharing the, that book. I know we have to wrap up here, but is this something as a strategic thinker, as a leader, I need to be thinking about in my 2023 strategic thinking, or do I have time to coast before I start to concern myself with uh, the platform revolution in healthcare? I'll echo what Randy said, if only for defensive reasons, you've, you've got the walls of the castle are already being attacked by outsiders and they have platform business models you need to understand what they're doing. Uh, there's also a lot of offensive potential that's immediately available, so no time to waste. Yeah, I'd think about it as a five-year horizon, and I'd start in year one with educating my senior executive team on what a platform is, what it's not, how it affects healthcare, how it might not, and sort of, to Vince's point, start with a, a strategic view of what's my competition and what is the core business that we want to be in five years from now. And if you did, did nothing more than that in year one, I think you could begin to lay out a roadmap toward, you know, either embracing a platform business model by year five or deciding that wasn't for you, but recognizing, you know, kind of what your position in a platform world might look like five years from now. Yeah. I, I think about other industries. And in fact, I think about my life and I think about our lives and whether it's dealing like with Amazon, with buying products and services or travel with Uber or Lyft or Airbnb, as you've mentioned, or, or content and information like Google uh, communication and community like Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter. It just seems to me, and, and tell me if, I, if I'm not getting this right, but it seems to me that our lives are fundamentally in every other way, banking, credit cards already impacted, but essentially the platform industry, the platform revolution has, has completely transformed our lives in the past, let's say 10 years or so. I guess the question in my mind now, it, it just seems 
I hadn't really, I mean, I understood the digital revolution. I understood the consumerism. I saw other industries doing that. I never conceptualized that our lives have been transformed by platforms in, in quite the same way as I do now. And it just seems to me that the platform revolution, in fact, is going to revolutionize or transform our experience in healthcare. Just want to, last comments about that. My last comment, I'll, I'll end where I, where I began with your uh, last week sessions of, of uh, you know, you're really looking to reframe how we think about healthcare. I, I hope we've done that today. I, would, I wouldn't change a word in what you've just articulated. Yeah. Spot on. And I, I can't make it any better. So let's, uh, let's, let's call it perfect at that point. <laughs> well, you guys are, are too kind and too generous. I have a feeling you guys are going to be, uh, I hope you, you have time because you're going to need that time with all the people that are going to be pulling at you to the boards and companies. If they're not already doing that, you guys are going to be totally, totally sought after. And so I'm glad I got a chance to speak to you before you had zero time left. <laughs> So thank you. Seriously, thank you both. Randy Williams, Vince Caritas, these are the thought leaders in the platform revolution in healthcare going to be coming out with the book on platforms in healthcare, as well as sounds like potentially a podcast. And Vince and Randy, as you both know, at the end of each of these podcast sessions, I have to conclude by thanking all the folks out there who are doing the hard work each and every day of taking care of patients. And, and those of you who are supporting those who are taking care of patients, I and we truly appreciate you for what you do and recognize how critically important your work is to individuals, of course, and their families and our communities and our society. I hope that this conversation on platforms, in fact, I, I don't say I hope, this conversation really has been in service of supporting you in taking care of your patients. My friends, this is Zev Neuwirth on Creating a New Healthcare. Until next time, be safe and be well.